0: Hello and welcome to our new series on Ruth. And I'm Ruth here to talk about um, the first chapter, chapter one. Now, Ruth, I found a really interesting book, and maybe that's partly because it's my name, I've taken a great fascination in it. But in doing the study to prepare for this, I've been even more intrigued as to the background of the story and finding more and more. And I would encourage you to delve deeper yourself than. What you're finding here today and uh, to look more into the story of Ruth but before we go any further let's pray lord thank you for this time together to discover your word and to look deeper lord we pray that you would open our eyes our heart our mind to hear what you would say to us through these words today allow us to be challenged and to be encouraged. Amen. Now I'm going to start by reading Ruth 1 to you. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem Judah and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living, set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. As they wept aloud again, Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune to me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. The book of Ruth is placed between um, the end of Judges and the beginning of 1 Samuel. And it is written in the time of the Judges. And the start of that piece says, um, at the time when the Judges ruled. And it's very much written um, of that time, that is when it occurred. But that is not when it was actually written. It would have been written much, much later. And that style of writing is almost once upon a time. It's retelling a story that will... um, which is going to teach us something, but it's written much later on. We don't know who wrote it at one point, it was thought maybe Samuel, um, but that doesn't fit because Samuel would have been living at that time. He wouldn't have written it looking back. So the first um, part has unfolded and there's quite, quite a lot of tragedy within that, quite family tragedy. We have um, famine, we have death, we have um, childlessness and we have more death. So it's, it's an interesting start to our story Um, and first of all i want to introduce you to the setting so initially naomi elimelech their two sons malon and kilion are living in bethlehem a place we know really well and is really familiar to us and uh, that that is where they are comfortably living until famine comes and there is no food and they're getting hungry So Elimelech makes the decision to take them into uh, neighbouring territory, into Moab, because um, there it must be that there is not famine and there is food and they will be able to survive. Uh, The thing about Moab is um, that actually, although it might have been neighbouring territory, it wasn't friendly neighbouring territory. And this is a little bit from Deuteronomy where um, it says no Ammonite or Moab Moabite or any of their descendants for ten generations may be admitted to the assembly of the Lord because these nations did not welcome you with food and water when you came out of Egypt. So although maybe um, close by they weren't friendly, they weren't warm, they weren't welcoming in the time when the Israelites were um, going through the desert and they wouldn't give them food and so there's this kind of long-standing unhappiness between the two. And so this is the place that Elimelech decides to take his family into this uh, potentially very unfriendly place. But I guess when you're in famine, then you do drastic things. So um, Elimelech goes with Naomi and um, Malon and Kilion and starts a new life. Sadly, um, at this point in the story, we will lose Elimelech. So let's look at the characters a little bit more. Um, Elimelech is gone, very, very few verses in. But is left with her two sons. And so she decides the best thing to do would be to find them wives. They must be of, of an age where that is the appropriate thing to do. Rather than heading back um, to her own country, she finds wives for them here in Moab. She finds Orpah and Ruth, two more characters, um, to come into our story. Um, sadly, after about 10 years, Killian and Malon also die, uh, taking us back to just three women in this story, to Orpah, to Ruth and to Naomi. Um, not much is said about any of the men or about the circumstances, but it would appear from the writing that despite ten years of marriage there are no children uh, Ruth and Orpah have no children and it is just these three ladies remaining. But as it is uh, Naomi hears that, the, that God has been good to her people so back in Bethlehem the God has been God has been good and food again is rich and uh, if she were to be back there then she would be fed and watered Um, And also, um, she would be back in her homeland. And I'm sure after the loss of her husband and her son, she's feeling that actually something familiar would be good, that she would love that. So she decides that she will head back, actually taking Orpah and Ruth with her. So off they go, they set off on their way. Um, Actually, after a very short distance, Naomi decides that maybe it'd be better um, for her daughters-in-law to remain in Moab, to remain in the country that they know, with their people, to actually go back and um, live with their own families and have the opportunity to be married and to have children, um, something that she can't provide for them. And actually, in this time, um, women needed men, they needed husbands, they needed sons in order to sorry, paper's going around, Um, in order to be provided for. They have the sort of social security that we have in this day and age in this country. Um, So, but both women are are very keen to remain with Naomi and they say, no, no, Naomi, we'll, we'll stay with you. But actually Naomi pushes and says, no, no, it'd be better for you to go back and Orpah now decides that she also will go. Um, so Naomi turns to Ruth, now you go off too, no, Ruth is determined, I am going to remain with you and there's these amazing words that we know so well that I shall read again, that Ruth's response is don't ask me to leave you and turn back, wherever you go, I will go, wherever you live, I will live your people will be my people, your God will be my God, wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. (coughs) Very powerful words, aren't they? But when you take into account that actually Ruth um, is not an Israelite, she's not from the same nation as Naomi, she's a Moabite woman. She's one of these unfriendly neighbours. And Moabite women particularly were very frowned upon, um, it wouldn't have been a good thing that Malon um, that and Kilion married myrrh women. But what she says is really powerful, that she wants to continue with Naomi, that she wants to be with her wherever she goes, but also that actually Naomi's God will be her God. And she actually wants, well not wants, but she speaks that the Lord punish me if I allow anything to separate us other than death not not a response you would expect of a Moapitess woman. We don't know much about these ladies' relationship. We don't know what Ruth knew of Naomi's faith, but there is something that she has obviously seen and caught and captured that she is um, drawn to and doesn't want to let go. It doesn't seem to me like a... Quick response. Um, oh, Naomi's going. I'll say these words and I'll stay with her. But actually, this is a heartfelt response. This is something that's obviously been welling up in Ruth for some time. There's a close relationship, and um, she obviously is devoted to Naomi and to her God. Where Ruth is going to go, she won't be welcomed. She won't maybe be appreciated. And it seems that there is no reason for her to leave Moab. In fact, remaining in Moab, she may well have found a husband within her, um, within her own people and therefore children. And it doesn't appear that there's any famine or war or anything in Moab that would um, make them think that it was time to go. It's just that Naomi feels that God is providing back in Bethlehem and she should return to her homeland. So they return home. On returning to Bethlehem, the women are amazed. Is this, is this Naomi? Is it, is it her? We can't quite tell. And who's this woman that she has with her? And we're thinking, isn't it amazing? Ruth has travelled with Naomi. She's there with her as support and an aid. But actually, Naomi's words uh, to these women is, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Because I went away full and I have come back empty. The Lord's hand has been against me. He's punished me. And those words, I've come back empty, almost no recognition of the fact that Ruth has come back with her. Um, she's very much feeling down on her luck, which maybe we can all understand. And yet there's something about Naomi to me that makes me feel like she's actually a bit of a fighter she's managed to survive her husband and her sons she's um, had the guts to then think okay on my own I shall travel back to my own people I should I should I shall make this move I should do this and um, and she's done it and she's arrived and actually there's quite a strength of character um, in her and very much an acknowledgement of God and Sometimes that seems to actually be more of an acknowledgement of God and blame. Um, the God's, God's had his hand against me, God's punished me, God's hurt me. But she still does recognise um, that God is there, that his presence is there, that she doesn't want to um, not acknowledge the fact that God is present in her life. Sorry, a bit of a dry throat. So here they return, Ruth and Naomi, to start a new life for um, Ruth in Bethlehem and to relive again in Bethlehem for Naomi. I can't tell you much more because um, that will be someone else's story for the following weeks. But I would just like us to note those characteristics that we saw in Ruth that faithfulness and that devotion to Naomi, to Naomi's God and to Naomi's people. There's a real, I think, tragedy in this story of death and childness, childlessness and famine. And yet amidst that there's There's an undercurrent of God's presence and that when times are bad that God is still very much there whether to blame or to acknowledge. And whereas Naomi seems to be in the blaming um, game at this moment in time with the grief that she's feeling, Ruth seems to be in a place of acknowledging God's faithfulness, of wanting to remain with him. And I just want to encourage us that actually whether days are good or bad, we're having bad weeks or bad months, that acknowledging God's faithfulness in the everyday is really important. (laughs) Acknowledging that God is present, maybe acknowledging the the good gifts that we can see in each day is really um, a powerful thing that will enable us in those challenging times, in those difficult times, to still call out God's promises, to still call out his faithfulness, to still notice those moments when God's hand is at work. And we are human and life will come. And life won't always be a bed of roses. It won't always be beautiful. But there will be beauty within it. There will be moments that we can capture and acknowledge God's presence, whether that's, like I've spoken before, in nature or whether it's looking at the the things that God has gifted us, the family that he's put around us, the church family he's put near us. So I think this first chapter of Wreath for me has been a lesson in believing in God's faithfulness, to continue to walk in that despite the challenges that you might see ahead of you. To not get caught in bitterness and not be able to see God um, in the situations around me. Um, To embrace the change as well. Ruth is about to see a massive change in her life, taken out of her culture and into a new place and actually being able to commit to that fully, commit to to Naomi, to commit to God, and to start afresh. so this book is an exciting um, challenge to us, I think, at its beginning. Um, we we'll be excited to see what comes in the weeks to come and the other challenges that come to us from it. Let's finish with a prayer. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for this time together. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would continue to prompt us from the things that we have been challenged about in this in this your word today. That over this coming week that we will look for ways that we can acknowledge your faithfulness and ways in which we can be faithful to you in the everyday Lord. Amen.